just promised myself that I would give my child all of the opportunities that I didn't have, but I also wouldn't pressure her to do the things that I am doing in life. Welcome to the Egg Gap Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Phillips. You can call me Mariah because that's my name. And I'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future. The Egg Gap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're speaking with an unstoppable duo of entrepreneurs, Dr. Tamir Lucas and her daughter, Ryan Lucas. This is the very first time on the show that we're hearing from a for-profit youth entrepreneur. So lock in with us now because children have so much wisdom to offer that we adults can use for continued growth as well. Um, Once you hear from Ryan's mother, Dr. Lucas, you'll understand much of where Ryan gets her trailblazer spirit from. Dr. Tamara Lucas is the creator of Camp Cube, which is the premier youth entrepreneur camp happening in her hometown right here in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Lucas is recognized as one of Baltimore's top 40 under 40. She's an award-winning thought leader, author, speaker, and philanthropist in the areas of entrepreneurship, social innovation, and one of my favorites, economic development. She is a professor at the College of Business at Coppin State University and holds 17 years of experience in business and social innovation. Dr. Lucas is the co-founder of Moms as Entrepreneurs and co-founder of the Cube Cowork, which is the largest Black woman-owned co-working space in the United States. Um, There's so much more to say, but I would rather have these two ladies say it themselves. So Dr. Lucas and Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you all? Good, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having us. Ryan, your mom always posts your lovely face and personality on Instagram. And I was like, oh my goodness, this little girl probably has so much to share with the world. Um, You've had so many experiences. So I'm wondering, how old were you when you first, well, maybe how old are you now? I don't know. <laughs> how old were you when you first realized your mom is an entrepreneur? Now I'm 11. When I first realized my mom was an entrepreneur, five probably, because she had me in a lot of videos for her business, and it was like, mom says entrepreneur. And I just got more into it as I grew up. That's so cool. So you were in like, um, like promotional videos and stuff? Yes. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Most people aren't business owners and, you know, everybody can choose to do what they want. So was there a time when you were like, my mom is a business owner and like maybe my friend's moms aren't? Or do you have a lot of friends who moms are business owners? Um, I don't really have a lot of friends who are bu- whose parents are business owners. Moms are business owners. She probably don't really know how to explain it because I've been an entrepreneur her whole life. <laughs> so, yeah. You know how to explain it. It's like, 
it's a good feeling. To even say something as simple as it's a good feeling is so special because that's not a feeling that everybody can say. You know, sometimes when people think about the first thoughts of their parents, it's not a good feeling. So it's really exciting to hear that it's a good feeling that you get to have <laughs> when you think about, you know, when you first realized your mom was an entrepreneur. Also, huh? it's like me realizing I want to be like this when I grow up. I, I see what my mom's doing and I'm like, wow, this is cool. It is cool. Your mom's a very cool lady. If she's this cool, I can only imagine how much cooler your life is going to get. Dr. Lucas, I'm wondering how old were you when you discovered what an entrepreneur is? And like, was there a point in your life where you made up your mind that entrepreneurship was an option that you wanted to introduce to your child? So I actually didn't become an entrepreneur until um, my last year in college. Um, I grew up in West Baltimore and I always tell people that um, the word entrepreneur or being a business owner in my community wasn't something that was talked about or glorified. And growing up, I was always taught, oh, you, you know, go to college, get a good government job and just that's what you do. Right. Um, but by the time I even graduated college, I probably worked at every place you could possibly think. Sometimes my friends, when they come over, we sit and talk about all the jobs I have and they laugh <laughs> about some of the crazy jobs that I've had. One, including Jiffy Lube. And no one ever believes it. Believes no. that I worked at Jiffy Lube. It might have been What'd you do? Well, I was supposed to be a cashier and they told me that I was going to help change oil when I never came back. So that was that. <laughs> one thing I'm not about to do. I'm not doing that. So um, I didn't become an entrepreneur until my last year in college. I had launched a, um, and a lot of people don't even know this, but we, my college friend and I, who were still friends, had launched a uh, mobile kid spa and we had did extremely well in this business but my um, friend she was a mom and she was she was already a mom and she was pregnant with her second child and it we didn't understand well I personally didn't understand how hard it was at that time to balance being a mother being a student still work being a business owner and so we eventually dissolved the business but that same year um, I got pregnant with Ryan and when she was born in 2010, I really birthed my first like solo business based off of her um, not having any hair. Jason, <laughs> I tell this story. She didn't have any hair. And I just started crafting headbands. And then that eventually grew into clips and bow ties. And then my grandmother came on and was like, she was like our in-house manufacturer. And that just kind of grew into an actual business that I didn't even ask for. And so that's why Ryan probably cannot really like tell you like, oh, from the beginning, because she was just born into entrepreneurship. My husband is a full time entrepreneur. So that's all she knew. Even if I had a job while, you know, running a business, she really only understood my mom is an entrepreneur and my mom is a professor. And so um, I just knew it was important for me, uh, my last like real, real job was working for Baltimore City and I was extremely miserable. I knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to continue to do. And I just promised myself that I would give my child all of the opportunities that I didn't have 
but I also wouldn't pressure her to do the things that I am doing in life. You know, like when you mm-hmm. find a lot of parents, like they, they may be doctors. And so they're pushing their kids to be doctors. Right. I wanted Ryan to understand that she had the power to do whatever it is that she ultimately wanted to do. And that I was always going to support that um, and embrace it and invest in whatever her, you know, her dream and vision is. She can say, She's asked to, to dabble in a lot of things, and I'm the, the parent that's buying the dumb stuff at the store and seeing if she really is going to, like, use it. I mean, we bought guitar, guitars, um, <laughs> slime stuff, you know, things like that. But I've always incorporated her in every single thing that I do. And so she just naturally kind of grasped that entrepreneurial spirit. And I said, hey, if that's what you want to do, so be it. I think I personally think Ryan's either going to join the circus or <laughs> own the circus, but we'll see. <laughs> well, my sister had gone to what the big top circus last week, so <laughs> they need some competition. So if that's the case, <laughs> we're all for it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, I love what you said about um, you know, not pressuring Ryan to quote unquote, following your footsteps. Because a lot of times that is a pressure that I have seen, not all, but sometimes parents, even with good intentions, put on children. Or like even in schools, you'll hear, you know, a couple of professions, kids can kind of feel forced to say, I want to be a doctor or a teacher or a firefighter, you know, even after all these years, for some reason, it's kind of the same 12 professions. Now we have added like technology. But for a child to be able to not just be in an educational space, but clearly by what you're saying, being in a home space where she's free to discover who she is um, or, you know, who she wants to be is really cool and really special. I appreciate that. Um, I just want her to be successful in whatever it is that she does and just know that ultimately she can do whatever she put her mind to and never to allow society to dictate what it is that she should be doing. And that was something that I struggled with growing up. It's like, oh, society is telling me I need to do this when really I had no desire to do some of the things that, you know, people would kind of place upon you. Yes, I totally get that. It really is. In this society, it it takes a special amount of willpower (laughs) to say, listen, I'm going to do it how I feel like this needs to be done. You know, of course, gathering wisdom and lessons along the way. But that's um, it's so important. We need it. And I'm wondering, Dr. Lucas, what your educational experience was like growing up. Um, Maybe looking back at your K through eighth grade experience, what is maybe one thing that you admire about your childhood education? And then one thing that you feel needed improvement, whether it was systemically or like on a day to day basis? So I grew up in, I mean, I, I went to Baltimore City public school system and I just I feel so sad for the kids of today um, because the school system back in the early 90s is totally different than what it is now. Like, I didn't feel like I was slighted. And to be honest with you, I had teachers that were very passionate about what they were what they were doing. I'm like, this was a career goal for them. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to be a teacher because that's the only job that I can pro- you know, possibly get with benefits right now. Like, it was something that they was extremely passionate about. But also, it was a lot of parent involvement back then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, like my grandmother stayed at the school. She read to, to the students, things like, or to my class and things like that. One of the things that I think that we miss growing up in the 90s is that technology curve and for stu- for individuals like myself to really embrace what it meant to be a STEM major. So that wasn't something that was very glorified in the 90s. And so I actually went to college. Well, when I first went to college, I was a visual communication design major. We're not even going to talk about that, but <laughs> I had a love for computers. And so when I got into a computer science program, it really wasn't welcoming to me for as a black woman. I mean, although I went to an HBCU. And so I just think we could have done a better job or, you know, a better job could have been done in the the early 90s to really introduce kids to STEM careers. Wait, so at HBCU, it wasn't welcoming? How how was that? No, it was mainly folk, like, it was more male-dominated. And oh, so okay. it was, like, female computer scientists, like, I mean, think about it. Can you name any Black female computer scientists? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just remember being in a class full of guys. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, So what? when you were in that environment and like you were in a class full of guys, like what were some of the things maybe that you did to navigate that? Cause I've heard for similar professions, not similar professions for professions um, that are equally male dominant. I've heard sometimes women just throwing in the towel on the industry altogether because it was disheartening or discouraging, but you still work in tech, right? From a consultant perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I am a one that I believe that, you know, everything just happens for a reason. I knew at some point that being a computer scientist probably wasn't best for me because, one, I like to talk people, talk to people, and computer scientists don't really, they don't really talk. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like one of those things where I'm like, okay, I don't mind pivoting. But I also grew up around nothing but males. And so being in that environment wasn't very um, intimidating to me. Like, it was just like, oh, I'm here with my cousins, <laughs> you know, like we have yeah. HBCU, we all family. But right. it was more of the instructional piece, right? It was like most of my um, professors were all men. And so the way that they communicated to me was totally different than they communicated to my classmate who was a male. And it was extremely frustrating. I remember um, going home just crying to my husband because I felt like, you know, I was failing um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point because all I knew uh, was computers. Like, I'm going to be a computer scientist. I didn't know exact, couldn't tell you exactly what my career plans were in that field, but that was just all I knew. And I knew that computer scientists made great money and I wanted to get out the hood. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, and be wealthy in a sense. And so right. um, it was it, it was a very tough moment, to be honest with you, um, really navigating that. And then I'm going home crying to a black man and he doesn't really understand because, I mean, this is part of the problem. Right. And right. So he's like being compassionate about it, but he really didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. And it's kind of like um, you hear a lot of times people saying how necessary pioneers are 
And I do based off, I mean, I don't know you personally, but based off what I see and what you do in your entrepreneurial career and based off of what you're saying now, like your journey, even from just here in the beginning, really is an example of a pioneer because nobody understood. <laughs> nobody around you understood at the time. And like, and we're about to talk more about your entrepreneurial journey, but yet and still something inside of you, you may determined that you were going to find out what that pivot was for you to get to a place where you did feel, um, I would assume, a bit more like you were on the path that made you happy or that at the very least felt more right than what you were doing at the time. What was the next step? Like maybe what did your husband say to try and help to try and console you? And then like maybe after that moment of realizing he's doing what he can, but it's not up to him to catapult me to the next level. What was that next step in your entrepreneurial journey that got you to where you are today? So like I said, he's an entrepreneur as well. So he understood like that part of freedom. Um, And he just always said, you know, I'm going to support you in whatever decision. My husband didn't go to college. So understanding, you know, my gripe with my college education and journey was a little bit different because he's like, I mean, do you need to go? You know, do you need to go? (laughs) And so that was a personal goal for me. Um, I was the first college graduate amongst my siblings. I'm one of five. um, And I'm the only doctor in my family on both sides. And so that was definitely a, you know, a goal to really set an example for my family um, so that they, you know, understand that there are anything is possible. And so I just kind of like, it was, I don't even remember how I got um, really exposed to, I don't really remember how I got exposed to the management science field at Coppin. I really don't remember. But what I do know is that um, one of my mentors, who he's still my mentor today, was my professor and he was a, a pastor as well. And so all I can think is that that was just fate aligning me in the right direction because I wasn't going into the direction that God really wanted me to be in. And so um, I just had this conversation today. Like I do every single thing um untraditionally. (laughs) And so while everyone may say, you know, if you take five steps to the the left, this is going to happen. I'm probably only going to take four or I'm going to go the opposite way because I see things a little bit differently, period. And Mm -hmm. so I just kind of like embrace that. And now, like it was being an entrepreneur, I tell people it's so ghetto. It's hard, right? (laughs) It's very hard. I mean, I was up at 3 a.m. yesterday being a graphic designer. Some days I let this past weekend, I was a cleaning service at my co-working space. And so you just never know what the day brings. But now that I've been able to really design my life and what I want it to look like is so rewarding, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I wanted to stay in the bed technically all day, I could do that because I built that kind of freedom. And so I just knew I wanted to wake up every single day, Mariah, and be happy with what it was that I was doing. I watched everybody around me growing up miserable working a job and a very few had a career. And none of my family, for the most part, really understood what it was that I was doing. Um, they couldn't wrap their mind around it because it wasn't the state, you know, it was, it was against the status quo. And so 
I just knew like whatever it was that I, I'm going to do, I need to be wake up every single day happy. And so my husband was just like, whatever, you know, whatever you do, I'm going to support you. Um, and, and so, you know, that it's important for you to find somebody that's going to support you in your journey. First off, great husband. Second, (laughs) (laughs) I am personally so happy that Ryan gets to see your marriage from what we're hearing now, like your marriage and how that collaboration of being supportive of one another goes, because I mean, being from Baltimore, there are so many broken families for so many reasons. And there are also so many whole families. And a lot of times the brokenness is so broadcasted and the wholeness is not always. So in addition to the entrepreneurial conversation, you know, I just want folks to take note that we have a family here, a black family here that um, is, is not just making it work, but thriving. And from what we can hear from Dr. Lucas's story, like we can hear the level of support and care for one another that it takes on all sides of the family dynamic for that to happen. Um, And so when it came to marriage, motherhood, and entrepreneurship, I know you said earlier when you had the mobile um, child spa business, what what does it take? Like maybe everyone's life is different, so you can't really tell someone step by step how to manage their lives. But for you, what did you find out that it took to be able to balance marriage, your own life as a human being, and motherhood and entrepreneurship? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, there is no balance. So I want everyone to get out of their head that this balance exists. And if you don't have it, you're a failure. It doesn't exist. The most important thing that you can give yourself is grace. And I had to learn how to do that. I am, Ryan will tell you, I'm very over overbearing. Mm-hmm. I always say she's my one and only child. And if anything happens to her, like... <laughs> She's laughing because I'm very over, like, no, you can't grow up, but I'm very protective of her. And Mm -hmm. so it, that I battled with like leaving her in certain places or asking for help when it came to her or even missing, um, like her dance recitals or her gymnastics meets. Right. And I realized because I embedded or included Ryan into my journey of entrepreneurship when there were times when I'm like, Ryan, I'm not going to be able to make your dance recital. She used to be like, okay. But I just didn't want that to be part of her traumatic life, right? Like I have some traumatic things that have happened to me in life that can be, seem so simple to people, but it's not right. And so Mm -hmm. I struggled with that. And so I always made sure if I wasn't there, someone that loved her just as much as I loved her would be there. And I, and it it was okay. And I would have conversations with her. Like, you know, are you mad that mommy's not going to be there? And she's like, no. And at at first (laughs) I thought she was lying. I'm like, are you going like 10 years from now, hold me accountable for not showing up for the two seconds you're going to dance. First of all, she knows I hate things like dance recitals. (laughs) Like, I hate dance recitals. I can deal with the plays now because they they actually put on like little productions, but those yeah. sing, singing things, she knows I hate those things, but I'm going to go because I'm going to stick beside her. <laughs> but <laughs> she also, she was like, oh, okay, my aunt's coming. Oh, my, you know, my dad to be there. You know, she appreciated that. And I also took her 
to places with me. Like a lot of times we feel like we can't take our kids with us, but I, she was well, I don't want to use the term trained, but for lack of better terms, like she was trained. She wasn't going to be one of those children that's like running wild at a conference. And she's sitting there, she's either helping, doing something, or she's sitting and learning and could probably reiterate everything that the speakers were saying. And so you got to, you know, give your children the opportunity to be part of the journey and teach them how to be part of the journey. Um, you know, Ryan wasn't raised in like an environment where it was a whole bunch of noise or, you know, I allowed jumping on my furniture, things like that. And so I don't have to worry about her doing that in public places or at events. Ryan come was coming to my class since she was like, I've been teaching in higher education since 2014. So however old she was in 2014. Boy. That's how long she's been coming to my class and not just sitting there like on her iPad. She's part of their group um, in class group assignments, like really helping these people, these students <laughs> in, their, you know, in their education journey in college. And so, you know, just exposure and exposing her to those things kind of helped me balance um, all of the hats that I that I wear, but also asking for help but building a team that's able to help you as well. That's been instrumental. Everyone always asks me like, well, what day you're at the cube? I'm like, no days. Cause I don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just making sure that you build that team and you involved everyone. My grandmother was the babysitter, is the babysitter, one of the babysitters at the cube. Um, and so this is a family business. This is not a Tamira's business. This is all about, you know, business. And so I think that's, how I really kind of incorporated balance. But right before the pandemic, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And a lot of that came from not properly doing my self-care. And so now I just have non-negotiables. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really take meetings on Mondays. It has I, I have to have a, a very busy week or something going on before I take a meeting on Monday. I go to acupuncture regularly. I go to therapy every Wednesday at noon. So that's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a facial every month. I, I'm planning on my um, my spa day, right? I take vacations very often. In order for me to get sanity, I have to have some beach time. Hope, I try to go at least once a month. That's great. I said I go to therapy. Yeah, yeah my mental health. And so, you know, incorporating those things. So that at the end of the day, yes, your business can fail. But I guarantee you it's not going to fail because of one day of taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Hand clap and a praise because, <laughs> you know, it's self-care is a buzzword a lot of times on the Internet. But you don't really get to hear people talk about what it actually looks like. And, you know, the fact that it's the thing that's going to keep you going. Sometimes it's easy in the day of social media for entrepreneurship to look very glamorous, but to not feel like it sometimes. And it can be easy for folks who are go-getters to forget that, yes, it's hard sometimes, but when you take care of yourself, you always have yourself. And that's the most important thing. And that's the thing. If something happens to you, like you've worked and you've done all of this work, um, you know, really focusing on your business but if you die tomorrow like was it worth it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like you don't like want realistically to, speaking realistically, like 
No, the world's going to probably keep going, unfortunately. They're going to cry. They're going to grieve. But people are going to continue to move. And so you have to remember, like, you can't let your business or your careers be the death of you. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of careers, I I know that um, I've seen Ryan has gotten a head start on hers. um, As far as you have a company, Ryan, a vending machine company? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Uh, does your company have a name? What kind of stuff do you sell in the vending machine? So the name of my, my business is RML Vending. And I sell Skittles, which we're working on now. Gumballs <laughs> <laughs> and M&Ms. Oh, yes. You said gumballs like the old fashioned gumballs? Yes. Oh my Ryan god! Is the only person I know that could sell a pack, of, a box of candy three times the same box. Like <laughs> he like triple her profit, and she's so brilliant with it. But go ahead, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Also, we had like this. What it was like black businesses all came together, and it was like this big event. And I was selling candy there, like candy bars. Like and packets or like M and M's and stuff like that, and it started raining that day, and nobody was like coming from their businesses to get the candy. So I went around with the box selling the candy, and it I made money. Yes, <laughs> see, look, listen, everybody. This is what exactly what I was talking about. Ryan just said that if the business is not coming to you because they don't know you're there or some natural occurrence happened like rain that was out of everybody's control, you can get up off your butt and you can go. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can bring the service to other people. But I just want to go back to those gumballs really quickly because I'm not surprised that you are tripling your profits if you're selling something like gumballs and Skittles because they are hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> so you know exactly what the people want because I want them. Um, and how for you, Ryan? How um, what part of that do you love? Like, what part of being an entrepreneur do you love the most? And is there a part that you don't love so much, but you do it anyway because you know it's important? I love the fact that um, it's just like I love the fact that it can bring joy to people, like. Say somebody left their gum at home and they're like, oh my gosh, I come to this wonderful place and there's a candy machine right there. Oh my gosh, I could just give me a gumball and I'm just so happy that just made my day. That's just what really uplifts me to keep on going in entrepreneurship. There really isn't anything that I don't like about it. She doesn't like to pay her expenses. Oh. <laughs> that's what she doesn't like. Brian don't want to cough up that cash, but yeah. I'm glad you're getting a feeling of what that's like now because taxes are real. Correct. <laughs> so expenses. I love what you said about being able to brighten somebody's day is one of your favorite parts yeah. because a lot of times in business, especially um the longer folks do it, sometimes it's easy to forget that business and entrepreneurship is really bringing a solution to help people's problems and to help life be easier for people. And that's one of the fastest ways, you know, folks make money in entrepreneurship. And it may seem simple to provide a pack of gum, but like, that's a big thing, especially for a person like me who chews gum until my jaw hurts. Like, <laughs> I want... <laughs> 
Like if I leave my gum, it's a problem. So um, that's really special. Thanks for sharing that with us. And what do you do? I know that your mom just said you maybe expenses isn't your favorite part of business. <laughs> what are some things that you tell yourself or that you do to get that responsibility done or other responsibilities, even when you don't feel like doing it? You know, I just have to tell myself, like, I just have to tell myself, you should really do this right now. It's easier to just get it done. And if you just do it right now, then you don't have to do it later. Don't Period. <laughs> Period. Because it's not going away. Yeah, it's better just to do it in the moment than just wait. I think that I'm going to make that the opening line for the show notes um, for this episode. It's better just to do it in the moment. Um, Cause isn't that what Nike says too? Yeah. But it's, that's, that's really so true. Put it on the shirt. Yes. <laughs> for trademark it if it's possible. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, it's like, it's easy to psych ourselves out as human beings. Like, oh, I'm going to do it in a couple minutes. All right, after the show, you know, I'm going to eat two more plates of spaghetti and then I'm going to do it. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, do it now. Yeah. Um, so one more question for you, Ryan. Um, do you have any ideas for like what you want to do in the future? Maybe like this year, that's something you're really excited to try out or maybe something you thought about that could happen 10 years from now that just really gets you excited about your, what your future can be? Um, at the moment, I actually don't know because there's like so many things available right now. And I know there's going to be more things to come in the future. So I'm just trying to think about things that I need to, that I want to do in the future. But it just hasn't came to me yet. But I'm, I, I am looking at things. Yeah. Well, that's one of the most important things I learned recently, Ryan. And I'm glad you're learning at 11. Is that <laughs> sometimes you do have to wait and just enjoy life as it is, you know, right now. And not stress yourself out about what's going to happen tomorrow or a couple years down the road. And then when you enjoy life at the time the perfect idea or opportunity comes your way. So thank you for reminding us all of that as adults who sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves to one, have an answer, because I think that's also wise as well, that sometimes the answer is I don't know right now. And that's just as beautiful as having an answer. And then also enjoying life and seeing what comes. Um, yep. So thank you. Did you have anything else that you want to let us know maybe about, um, your business or um, just you and your mom's relationship as entrepreneurs, period? Or are you good? <laughs> um, I, I had something to say, but then I recently just forgot it. No, I recently so, forgot but, it. So, um, no. Okay, well, if you remember before the episode's over, just jump in, okay? Okay. <laughs> so dr lucas you've launched a summer camp called camp cube and the camp invites youth to explore entrepreneurship um what's extremely unique about your camp's approach is how you define steam s-t-e-a-m method 
during your camp. Listeners, for those who may not be familiar with the educational approach called STEAM, the term or acronym typically stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics. However, for Camp Cube, Dr. Lucas has redefined it as stock, technology, entrepreneurship, art, and money. So Dr. Lucas, um, why do you believe children need to learn STEAM in the way that you've defined it in order to really embrace entrepreneurship? So that's a good question. I think that, you know, of course, science, technology, engineering, um, art, and math is always is, is super important. But I think that stock, technology, entrepreneurship, art, and money is something that regardless if they become an entrepreneur or not, are things that they need to know, right? So it's just sort of like back when we used to have home economics that they definitely don't have anymore. It was literally us learning the basics of what you need to survive in life. And as we kind of, you know, move forward in innovative ways in our world, these kids need to know, you know, what is stock? How do I leverage technology? Um, They don't know that, you know, I'm on TikTok all day or Snapchat and that's actually technology and people are getting paid millions of dollars for this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What is entrepreneurship? Because while I don't believe that, everybody should be an entrepreneur. I think that they should understand entrepreneurship because one, you need to understand yourself from a customer standpoint. I oh, I, I, I promise I'm going to do this one day, but I believe that we need to incorporate customer service in our education system because yes. people don't understand what that means. And it doesn't matter if you are a CEO of a company or you are the janitor, you need to understand the processes of business and how to deliver, well, how your part plays an important role on the customer experience or the cust- or customer service. Um, I think that we live in a world of art, right? Like, when you walk, when you just open your eyes, like you see things totally different. And I think I remember being a child and loving art, but no one really embracing it from my vision, right? Art can be mm. a plethora of things. And Lord knows these kids need to learn about money. Um, yes. we People have such a bad relationship with money that it's crazy. This is why our economy is the way that it is, is because the 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 relationship that we as humans have with something that really is almost non-existent, right? Like it's money, but how Mm -hmm. does it work? How do I, and how do I save? What are the basics? Like I, if I gave Ryan a check, I'm going to actually do this because I don't know if she know how to write a check, right? Like Mm -hmm. these things still exist. Um, and we still need to know how to use it. But also, how are you smart with your money? Do you, you know, one of the things that I, we do in camp, and Ryan loves attending the camp. I get when I first did this, I gave her the option. I'm like, do you want to go to this camp, another camp, or do you want to go to my camp? She's like, no, I want to come to your camp. Which, yeah, which was very strange because I'm like, you want to be with your be with your mother and allow me to teach you, and she's like, uh, yeah, you have a lot to to teach, right? Which this, this child is far beyond her age, but what they do the first day is they are, we, we have a stock simulator. And so, you know, I go through what stock is. I talk about the stock market um, and kind of introduce that to them. And I assign them 
each child get they all get the same amount of money. So let's just say it's ten thousand dollars. Well, during the week, every single day, they're responsible for buying and selling stock and watching what the market is doing. So they're not just buying it because they're like, oh, I know about Nike. I make them do some research also. And so while we are learning STEAM, they're still getting those other skills, those literacy skills, mathematics, like those things are embedded into that, but they're learning it from a different standpoint. And when I first did this the first year, I was like, these kids are going to hate me. They're going to throw tomatoes because they're like, this is this stuff is boring. When I say they were so excited coming in every single day, it was it, it just brought joy to my eyes to see that kids will love things if you teach them and expose them to it. And at the end, whoever had the most money based off of them buying and selling the stock because it goes by the market, the same market is just a, you know, a, a simulator of it. So whatever the market is doing right now is what's going to happen in their simulation. Mm. And so they, um, you know, I give them um, a gift card for like stockpile Robinhood so that they can actually buy real stock. And so um, I just think it's important to introduce our kids to these opportunities my mother don't didn't know anything about stock, still don't know anything about stock. And so she wasn't able to really embed that in me or even expose me to it. And so with our camp, we're able to expose them to the opportunities of what does entrepreneurship look like from a different perspective. They're also building businesses while they're here. So they go through the process of doing the research. So let, the last time we did this, they all had t-shirt business. They designed logos, they designed the t-shirt design, they actually made the t-shirt, made the website, and sold their product um, for a period of time, and all of the money went to them. Yes, (laughs) yes, and come. (laughs) We had bankers come in, the banker was like, how old are these kids again? And Because that particular day at camp, I wasn't there, and she texted me, and she was just like, these kids are amazing. I cannot believe how smart they are. And so we're looking forward to it again. That's magnificent. And it really sounds like that you are um, in a positive way challenging the children at the camp to maximize all that they are po- that's possible for them and all that they're capable of. Um, I'm a big believer in children being able, have, being limitless. And like you said, you know, kids can get excited about stocks and business early on if you teach them something that is possible to get excited about. So that's um, amazing. And I wonder, like, what uh, I know we're running out of time here, but what do you feel like a program like this does for a child, like mind, body and spirit wise? I know that um, a lot of us as adults, you know, sometimes we may wake up at 25, 30, maybe 40 and say, hey. I was kind of asleep about some things that I could, could have been awake about sooner. Um, and while we all come into our own, um, hopefully, you know, in our own timing, do you feel that an entrepreneurship camp does anything specifically for a child's growth that they may or may not get otherwise? Absolutely. One, I think it really stimulates their mind and get them to think differently outside of their normal element. Um, you know, if your parents aren't entrepreneurs, 
the likelihood of you understanding it is like very small because you don't, you're not around it. You don't, they, they may not have a full understanding of what an entrepreneur is. And you, we have to be r- really honest. Like there are things that we talk about within our household that are very biased. And so our kids pick those things up. Like, have you ever understood like, why am I a Democrat or Republican? It's probably because of what you heard in your household, right? Right. You really didn't do your research. And so I think that, you know, a camp like this really helps to expose them to things that they're probably not going to get on a daily basis. Or even sometimes other entrepreneurs can't teach entrepreneurship. Just because you are an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you can um, probably teach it as well. What I do think, um, I remember going to a camp at a private school here in Baltimore and out of all of the things that I've done, I, I remember two camps in my life. That one and the experiences that I had with the science and nature um, and, and just different things that we did. And I remember attending, I enrolled myself into the Y in Park Heights at the Delta camp. And I remember um, how I enrolled myself. I have no idea, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, you made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I've been doing, I've been a rebel since I was a, a child, but, um, you know, I remember like my experiences there that helped kind of guide me in my life. I'm like, oh, I remember, you know, this person, I'm doing this or this person talking about this. So I just remember that when this person came into the room that she like, um, demand respect when she looked a certain way. Even if they don't take anything out of like the education part, which we pray that they do, we know that they will. I do believe that just being connected to certain people will expose them to opportunities because it's not just me teaching. I do bring in other resources as well. That's amazing. Um, so guys, you hear that Camp Cube is going on currently. Um, are you doing it every summer? Is this something that people can check in on for a next summer for enrollment? Yep. So we do it every summer for one week. Um, so it's not a whole summer. I can't deal with your y- y'all kids all summer long. <laughs> I have my own. Um, but it's all week long. And, I mean, for one week in the summer, normally in August when most camps close and there's like this gap where kids are like stuck. Um, with their parents and they don't want them the, the parents are like over it so it's it's this year is august 1st through the 5th so it's that entire first week of august and so we just hope that you know you come out i mean you sign them up i think we have about five so- slots left for the camp and so okay. um sign them up and so we are going to have a good time and i mean it's very affordable i try to make it as inexpensive as possible Okay, and guys, this episode is being recorded on June 16th. The episode will come out on June 20th. So once you hear this, make sure you hop <laughs> on it to see if you can grab one of those last five slots um, and then keep checking in. But if folks do want to check in and just keep up with what the Cube co-working space is doing, keep up with you, Dr. Lucas, period. Keep up with Ryan. How can we stay in touch with you all or get more information about what you have going on? So before that, Ryan has some things that she wrote down that she want to say. So I'm going to let her say it. And then I'll tell you guys how to keep in touch with us. Sweet. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, I just wanted to say just a little thing because I had to experience this the hard way. <laughs> if one if one thing in your business doesn't work out, just keep on trying 
because and don't beat yourself down because maybe you just have to learn more about the topic. Like for me, I wanted to start a lip a lipstick business, but I didn't really understand like how how it works and how you make it and everything. So I just had to learn more about the topic. So just keep on trying. There we go. Yes, keep on trying, everybody. Um, that's really special that you said that, Ryan, because. Um, it's easy sometimes to feel down on yourself when something doesn't work. But like you're saying, if something doesn't work out the first time, guess what? There's so many more opportunities to learn more about it. Just like Rihanna, she didn't know about makeup when she first started Fenty Beauty. <laughs> and now she is a billionaire because she figured, and like your mom was saying, you know, sometimes you need a team of people eventually to help figure something out. And that's also a great way for growth. So thank you for sharing that nugget of wisdom with us. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? That was all. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's exactly what we needed then. So thanks. And Dr. Lucas, um, what, what's the best way to keep up with you guys? So you can um, stay connected with us on Instagram. So at the cube cowork, that's C the C U B E cowork, C O W O R K. Um, You can follow me personally at the business doctor. That's the business D R. So not doctor spelled out and Ryan. So she just actually recently Instagram kicked her off for whatever reason. And I started a, a new, um, yeah, you started one, and I meant to tell you that I started a new one. So the real um, Instagram for Ryan is Ryan M. Lucas, and so you can follow her. Ryan is getting into acting, so okay. you will see her soon. Okay, well, we are going to keep a lookout. I have full faith that, Ryan, you will do everything that you set out to do and that all the resources and energy you need to do it are always going to be available to you. And same for you, Dr. Lucas, your husband and your whole family and team. And I want to thank you all for joining me on the show. So excited for folks to get a hold of your wisdom. And I'm very grateful. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. All righty. Bye-bye, guys. So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future. If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests. And yes, we do have a website. You can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com. Again, I'm Mariah Phillips, and I leave you with this. Embrace the evolution, y'all.